Have you watched the sounds of the lamps? Don't get any ideas from this guy who watches that movie. He wanted to be Buffalo Bill. He kidnapped and raped six women in a self-dug pit in his basement. He was sentenced to death and executed by induction. Today, I will discuss the wannabe Buffalo Bill, Gary M. Heidman. This is Cases of the Crimes. Hello everyone. It's nice to see you again. Alright, finally getting into the session again since I'm doing this episode a lot, but I might have to a little bit back away because when I comes to reading some of the reading some of the criminals, reading some of the murders there, it gets a little bit scary. But for this episode, this is a quite a little bit scary than you think it would be. Because this person is oh, trying I mean, try to want to be the Buffalo Bill from the movie Sounds of the Lambs. If you have watched Sounds of the Lambs, then congratulations. You'll probably know about this one because this one, this murderer is the one who inspires that movie because he wanted to be Buffalo Bill. Well, he wanted to be a Buffalo Bill. Tried to, but didn't work. Well, so yeah, don't take any, don't be the murderer, don't be like Buffalo Bill. From Sounds of the Lambs, because this is, because you'll probably kill some people like him. All right, let's go. All right, let's go over some of the topics, some of the early life, and then into some of the adulthood, and then the rest of the criminal activities, and we're talking about some of the victims and some popular culture. Get into some big stuff. Okay, so. I know it's gonna be this is not gonna be a very fun thing right here because that's uh very sad, very sad that this is what went to the let's put it into the minds of Carolina. Okay, are you ready? You ready to do this? Okay, here we go. Crack our knuckles in. My my knuckles it's not cracking because uh it's not gonna be. And probably get some reactions out of me and for you and for anybody else who's going to be watching this. All right, let's go. Gary Heidnick. Okay. So, Gary Michael Heidnick, born in November 22nd in 1943 in Eastlake, Ohio. It's a little suburb in Cleveland. And that's where they gave birth. It was from Michael and Ellen Heidnick. So they're two and he had a younger brother named Terry okay so have a little picture of the family. but in 1946 they were divorced now the children would be raised by their mother which is Ellen for four years before placed in the care of their father and his new wife 
They were now divorced, and then his father gets into his new wife and new thing. And then later on in his life, this is with his kid. He was emotionally abused by his father. I don't know what I don't know what his father's doing. I don't know what he's going through, but that's really tough. Suffered from a bad wedding. Oh, what? Okay. So basically, a bad wedding is if is he put a if he can't handle the stress, because a lot of they would definitely, you know, pee themselves in the bed. There's not a lot of them. And said his father would humiliate him by forcing to hang the stained sheets from the bedroom window to look at the neighbors. Oh my gosh. Every time when he bedwetting in his bed, he would hang onto this window and... Let the people know that this guy is a bedwetter. That would that would make they'll make fun of him for sure. That's that's very abusive for his father like that. Like dang. Okay, so after the son's arrest, his father denied the allegation, the abuse allegations. Yep, his father abused him for most of his childhood and stuff. Okay. That's very crazy okay in that school he usually don't talk to some students and refuse to make some eye contact and uh when a new female student comes over when she said did you get the homework done gary and then he specifically yelled at her and told her that she's not worthy enough to talk to him yeah he's very introverted he doesn't like to talk to a lot of people these days well that i mean but not this very alien very much of it i do talk to people usually but i don't think he is hmm okay so he's being teased about the shape of the head the ollie shape of the head which he claimed of you know him falling out of a tree yeah that's it's really rough on the on his childhood really because of him falling in the tree, he had his face a little bit odd shaped and they're gonna make and they made fun of him. Well, that's 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 a problem. Okay, but regardless of that, he did very well in Tessanakio 148. Okay. I think we And with the encouragement of his father with the hell of it. When he is 14 years old, he's now enrolled into a Santa Military Academy in Santa Virginia for a couple of years. And it was about a couple of years before he left for graduation. And then another period in high school, another public high school, he dropped out and joined the army when he was 17. So he, yeah, decided to, you know what, school is not going to be enough to be around with those people. He wanted to join the military, so he did. Okay, so he served in the army for 13 months. Alright, during the training, he read him his drill sergeant grade him as excellent. Okay. Alright. And he applied for lots of positions, including military police, but got rejected that. And then he was sent to Texas and trained as a medic. Okay. And did well through some all the medical training. But he did not stay in San Antonio very much and transferred into a hospital 
in Ludstall, West Germany. Okay, so from US, went from Texas to Texas to flying over to Germany. And then within the weeks, he earned his GED. Great. And in August 1962, began complaining of some headaches, dizziness, blurred vision, nausea. He had to go through a lot of those things into their head. And when you feel something that's uh, weird and it's very problematic, yeah, that, that can be checked. So, yeah, the neurologist diagnosed him with gastroenteritis and that knows he has also evidence of mental illness. Wow. So, gastroenteritis, that's a, there's an infectious diarrhea somewhere. And have some men big mental illness, which is trifulopurazine. That is an uh, antipsychotic used to treat schizophrenia. Somewhere in schizophrenia. Wow. Got a lot of problems with all that stuff you have done, especially not just the physical things, also mental. I have a little trouble in life at that age, that early. Alright, in 1962, he was transferred to the military hospital in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So he's done with Germany. Flies back to Pennsylvania. We were diagnosed with some uh, schizoid personality disorder and was all of his charge from the military. Wow. He had so many personality disorder stuff. But schizoid is... Very dangerous, okay. It's characterized a lack of interest, social relationships, tends towards a solitary or sheltered lifestyle. Want to be apart from people, apart from us. Yeah, that. Yeah, and during the childhood and during some teenage years and adolescence. Yeah, really, it's, it's really tough. Tough for him when it comes being from being abusive to being in the military. But when it comes to military, very you'll have a lot of those sort of terms. Most of them may have PSD, some of them have some disorders. There are multiple disorders that you could probably think of. There's a lot. There's a lot. Okay, now we're getting into adulthood. Alright, so after his discharge. He became a licensed practical nurse and been enrolled in the University of Pennsylvania. But dropped out the first semester. Oh, that's not sad. Okay, so he worked at the Veterans Administration's the VA, okay, in Coatesville, but was fired due to not showing up and being rude towards the patients. Yep, that's not how you treat patients like that. And then from August 62 until arrest in 1987. Okay. He had spent time in a hospital, psychiatric hospital. Tried to attempt the self-harmies at least 13 times. 13 times. And you failed to do so. Hmm. That is, wow. Okay. And in the 70s, back to his mother, uh, if back to his mother, which is, let me look at this, Ellen, which is Ellen, uh, had been diagnosed with bone cancer and was suffering from alcoholism. Wow. Drank, been 
had a lot of cancer, drank too much, and successfully made the self-harmies by drinking the this thing called mercuric chloride. So it's a mercury chloride. So okay, so it's a made of mercury and chlorine. Yeah, that definitely killed her. And then his brother, Terry, spent in some solutions. Oof, wow. It's all in the family. They all go crazy. Family had been went down. So his father was been abused. Mother had been drinking a lot and did the self-harmies. Terry has been in the in the mental institutions. And also, just like just like Gary, tried to do self-harmies, but did not succeed. Wow. It's all in the family, I guess. No, not really. Don't think so. Okay. October 1971, he incorporated this church called the Church of Ministers of God. Started off with five followers. And in 1975, he started opening an account under the church name with Merrill Lynch. Okay. And the initial deposit of that was $1,500. And he amassed the big, with all the money he had accumulated, it's now over $500,000. That's half a million dollars. But today, it was $2.7 Okay. And by 1986, yeah, the United Church of Ministers of God is now in good shape. Very great things with them. They're in the green grasses. I think they made something better with it. Okay. Alright. So, he had used the matrimonial service to meet his future wife, Betty Disto. So, this is a uh, by mail of two years. Before he proposed to her. Oh, by the way, his son was born, listen to this, from the Philippines in September to 85, and she's married now to him in Maryland. Wow. You have met someone not online. This is be way before the social media happened. Way before social media, they usually write letters to somebody. That's one communication. No cell phone, no phone, nothing. Just a male, like a physical male. So yeah, and he asked her to come to the U.S. and get married. So she did. Got married and stuff. But that marriage ended when she, when he was cheated on her with three women. Three women. Wow, that, that, that escalated very quickly. So yeah. Got yeah, she got yeah he got caught cheating by with three other men. So yeah, that she ended. Oh well. And then over a little bit of course with some little small marriages stuff with this so. So he uh forced his wife, which is this so, to be an onlookers while he has to look for you know some things while he had. Done some sexual relationships with some other woman. But she had accused of him repeatedly do some rapping, rapping, and 
Yeah, he did something very bad to her. And that's why she accused of him to all this little badness. And with the help of the help with a lot of Filipino community and go Filipino, she finally leave in finally leave him in 1986. Good job, Filipinos. You have done very well. You have done so much well to stay away from him. Yep. So all people need to try to stay away from anyone who wanted to become a Buffalo Bill. Hmm. Don't trust. Don't trust anyone who is also just like hiding. Good. So we don't know there's the information and information where he wanted a child support payments in eighty seven. Yeah, impregnated him during the social months. Wow. She got pregnant from him, but she wanted that child support. She wanted that money. And then on September 15, she gave birth to a son named Jesse John Disto. Yep. One son. One son. And Hannes also had a child with Gail Linkow, which we named Kara Jr. That's probably two or must And child was placed now in foster care after the birth. And he had a third child with someone other women named Jeanette Davidson. Was illiterate and mentally disabled, just like him. Just like him. And his daughter, Maxine Davidson, and was placed in foster care. And after her birth, he was arrested again for kidnapping and some rap of Jeanette's sister, his her sister, Alberta, who had been living in an institution for Memphis in Penn Township. Wow, got arrested. That's where all started. That is where it started. To feel like that he had done something wrong. All the criminals that will be added and all the activities that he's done. That is where it started. Oh, but it actually started it with the no, did something to his wife, his usual that he did to his wife during the 1985 and then ended in 1986. That was very short, though. Very, very short. That was like, I don't know. That's almost four months. Four months of marriage ended. Because he's the little crazy one. He's trying to get on to the other woman. On to her, to other woman. Try to give birth, but now placed in care. But yeah, it starts to get a little crazy when you want to have somebody. That was crazy. Very crazy. Okay. This is where all the criminal activities that he had done. So, let's get right into it. Okay, so in 1976, so this is his first one, okay. So, he was charged with aggravated assault and carrying the pistol that was unlicensed after he shot with a tenant when he offered you no know, the rent. And it grazed around his man's face, but oh my god. Grazed around his face, it's so cool. Yeah, he 
and uh, the gun because he was trying to offer a rent, but nope, straight up shooting him. And then first imprisonment, that's his first one. So yeah, in 1978, he signed out Alberta Davidson, that's one of another woman, okay, from the hospital on the day leave and proceeded to lock her up in a locked storage room in his basement. Oh my goodness. Wow, so he let Albert to go and then went on to his house and locked her in the storage room. After she found returned to the hospital again, that, uh, yeah, she has been, she did something really, really bad and she had contacted gonorrhea. Some lots of sexual assaults and some, and she had gonorrhea at that time. My God, I wasn't really feeling that hungry. Good. Was arrested again, charged of some little funding in quote, some okay, some kidnapping, some rap, some unlawful restraint, false imprisonment, some sexual intercourse, and custody commitments. Wow, a lot of things that she had done. The original sin was. Supposed to be over was overturned and now spent three years in jail for release in 1983. But with the supervision of a mental health program just to keep an eye on him and such. Not until three years later, there is a spousal rap. So so she left. So after his wife left, which is Tatsu, this too. He was again arrested again and charged with some lots of assault, some rap. It's this spousal rap, by the way, it's from his wife. And some deviant sexual intercourse, also that too. He had done the same, probably done the same thing over and over again. I mean, what's going on with him? Okay. All right, now this is the. Serial murder in between 1987. So this, this is where all the fun stuff, literally fun stuff. So on November 25th, 1986. So he abducted a 25-year-old woman named Josephina Rivera. By 1987, he kidnapped four more women. Okay. Hellcat did somewhere in the pit in the basement. And this is housing. Do I have to tell this address where he lived? Because I don't want to give it. There is a house, basement of his house somewhere in North Philadelphia. I don't want to give, I don't want to give, oh, I don't want to give away the address. I'm not sure if it's, I'm not sure that house still lived there, but I. I'm not going to tell you the address of that house, but I'll tell you where that one is in North Philadelphia. And those were all the captives that were wrapped, beaten, and tortured. It's very funny when I say wrap instead of the other one. Because again, it's not fun. So one of the women of oh, this is going to be very gruesome. So. Okay. So one of the women, one of the women. A 24-year-old Sandra Lindsay died of 
from starvation, torture, and some fever. Wow. Not doing so with her. So, here's what he did to her. So, he dismantled her body and had problems with some arms and legs to pull out from the entire body. Put them in the freezer and labeled them as dog food. Right? Put them in the freezer. Right word dog food. And then he uh, cooked her ribs in the oven, bowled her big head, her head, in a pot on the stove. But the police officer came to the house after, no, some of the neighbors complained that the order was emanating for the rest. And it was coming from the ribs in her ribs in the oven and her head. And they left the premises after he had explained, he said his uncle. I'm cooking a roast. I fell asleep and burnt. Yeah, yeah, right. A roast. That is not that is not a beef roast or a chicken roast. It's a human roast. No, like a literally human roast. Holy gosh. Yep, it's not yeah. That's one of the victims trying to take out of her body and some of them keep them into the theater and start cooking them. Oh my goodness, that was terrible. Okay. And then there are some several stories they found. Okay. So he ground up the flesh of her, which is Lindsay. Mix it in with the dog food. So it's so it's her plus a dog food, an actual dog, and feed it into the other victims. Oh God, what the heck? Okay, so so when his defense attorney Chuck Berto said that the cuisine art—that's where he had cooked the stuff—and some of the other tools, which there are no evidence for that at all. So he said that he made a like story to support this insanity defense. That's what Berto said, this. and he also said that the rumor of the cannibalism in public. There's no evidence of anyone who ate a flash of someone's human of some sort. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yep. Trying to be a Buffalo Bill, but holy moly, this is a really that's that's a very tough one. If you believe when someone said in the story, oh my goodness. Okay. Let's move on. So he used an electric shock as another form of torture. And he forced three of those captives bound in chains into one big pit. And then he ordered Rivera and some another one fill a little bit of hole with water. And then force her to help to help him apply electric current and form a from a strip extension cord into Woman's chains, okay, hooked up with a chain, and then we have a 23 year old Deborah Dudley that's a matter was executed to death. And he disposed of her body in Pine Barns in New Jersey. Yep, she got executed, and now he disposed of her body somewhere in Pine Barrens. Wow, and then on January 18, 1987. He abducted Jacqueline Askins. That's probably the youngest. 
18 years old, by the way, 18 years old. So on May 15th, there's a special report said Gare and Nick's house 30 years later was aired. There's a show for that one. It was featured, in, there's an interview with Askins. So he, she remembered that, okay, so he wrapped a duct tape around the mouth and stabbed them in the ears with a screwdriver. A screwdriver. A knife could not be, that's too big, you know? Knife is really too big to stab in the ear. You know what else? A screwdriver. A one piece, a little screwdriver, just to stab them. And she remembered that, quite frankly. Okay, now, on March 23rd, I see seven. So with the help of Rivera, they Henning is now adopted a 24-year-old Agnes Adams. And then the next day, next day she decided she wants to convince him to let her go temporarily. So she convinced the family. So yeah, he drove at the gas station, said he wait for her there. And then she walked into her boyfriend's house and she wanted to confront Heidman. So that's what she do. But you know what? Let's call the police instead. That's the responding officers noted about the sheep being the chains, the big chains in the leg. And then they went to the gas station and detained him. And then his best friend, Sally Brown, was also arrested. Wow. That's really hurtful for that. And yeah, he was released with a $50,000 bail and agreement they would testify against him. And then in some part, Brown had admitted to witness the death of the he had saw her dead somewhere in the basement. And it's also admitted that he had saw the dismemberment of the body, which I have mentioned it like minutes ago. Like, literally minutes ago. And then, yeah, his arrest now. He got arrested in April 27. Trying to, you know, did the self-harmies. Did not work. It did not work. Okay. Not work, wannabe Buffalo Bill. It did not work. Try to do self-harmies. It's not going to work, chief. <laughs> it was very funny. Very funny for me. To say those things it's a little funny okay so for some trials and some peels let's see where this is gonna go okay so somewhere at his arraignment okay it's a former criminal document he had claimed that these women who were victims were already in house when moving yep well you well you took him. Took all these women bringing into the house. Specifically your basement. Try to torture some things around there. And in the trial he was defended by Peruto. Okay. Then to prove that he is insane. You don't have to prove it. And so Charles Peruto wanted to testify, wanted to prove that, yep, he was a Legally insane, he's a very normal guy. But Zanica was 
Rebuttarian and prosecution led by Charles Gallagher, that's the prosecutor, prosecutor third. It was now amassed with 550,000 through brokerage count. And it's used to prove the that he was a investor not insane yeah not really crazy at all so yeah i'm trying to prove that hey i'm not a little crazy person just ignore all the victims and the body's memberment and torture rap kill rap whatever he's home ignore all them i'm a very nice person says what the very nice guy would say <laughs> very fun it's very funny how that he Kill with those people. Very funny how. Okay. But the testimony was given by his defendant investor, Robert Kirkpatrick, proved that, yep, the proved his mental competence and all that crazy and stuff. So he had called and it, the S2 investor knew exactly what he was doing. Really? An investor, he knows what exactly what he's doing. Yeah, he got to rethink about that one because it's very smart. He wanted to prove that he's a very guy after all of the criminal activities that he had done. But on July 1st, 1988, he was convicted of two counts of first degree murder, six counts of kidnapping, five counts of rap, four counts of the assault, two counts of sexual intercourse. And yep, he was sentenced to death and incarcerated at the State Correctional Institution in Pittsburgh. In January, and he attended, he uh, did the cell harmless again with the overdose of prescribed Thorazine. Again, did not work. That wouldn't do a lot. It's an anti-psychotic medication, trying to medicate it, trying to overdose with it. Did not work. That does, that Thoraz, prescribed Thorazine does not lead you to death. There will be some little problems in some sort. Okay, in 1997, all right. So his daughter Maxine Davidson's wife and his ex-wife Betty Disso. Do you remember about Betty Disso? That's where married. They have filed a suit in some federal court in Pennsylvania, and they requested the stay of execution that and they have proved that yep he's not competitive enough to be executed but after some little two years and some sort there on July 3rd 1999 okay they have issued its final ruling in clearing the way for the execution yep they have not thought through about this and to prove that yeah he's a very thing but not after all of the evidences that they found so he got executed in July and somewhere in July 1999 yeah okay so his last meal was two slices of cheese pizza and a black coffee mentioned it already before it aired it it was executed by lethal injection on July 6th 1999 at the State Correctional Institute in Rockview, Belafonte, Pennsylvania. And his body was cremated. Okay. And his last, and he's the last person he was executed by the Commonwealth. And became, he remains the third of only those three, but since 
a resumption of the death penalty. So the other two were he's at a lawyer and Neil's are well, let's not talk about those two. They're not really not that good. All right, let's go through some of the victims. Those are the six victims that they have encountered. So we have Jose Rivera, 25, kidnapped in November 25th. Sandra Lindsay, we that's the man, that's the one that she got dismembered in December 3rd, 19, but murdered in 87, got dismembered that one. Lisa Thomas, another victim, 19 years old, December 23rd, 1986, that's she got kidnapped. Deborah Dudley, that's the person that she had executed, kidnapped on January 2nd, and a couple months later, electrocuted. And we got Jacqueline Askins, another. But again, Rivera was the first one to help him out to do all the murderers and stuff. Jack Askins, 18, and was kidnapped again in 1870, the youngest of all. And then Agnes Adams, she is the one who got away the murder. Was kidnapped, but she is the one who got away with the murder. Without the help of Rivera and help Rivera and have Adams to call nine one one and escape that one, then he would have kept doing. He would have kept killing a lot of women around. He would have kept killing a lot of women around there. But no, if it wasn't for Rivera and Adams, then he would have killed. Lots of women, but thank you to both them. They have finally escaped and that got him arrested, got executed in 1999. It's over, it's all over. All right, let's get into some popular culture. Okay, so Hannah is not the only one who was one who inspired Buffalo Bill from the novel, now movie, Sounds of the Lambs. There are six of them, and Heineck is one of them. And in 2018, okay, um, Van Skin, S K Y N D, right, uh, released a song that was based on the events that's happening. And he they featured Jonathan Davis from the band Corn. And that's pretty much everything. That's pretty much all the pop culture and stuff, and that's everything about Gary M. Heidling. Ooh, what a ride for that. And it's very short, so it's not going to be an hour long for this episode. Wow. We have gone through a lot of childhood, and it's rough, rough childhood. I've been married to this to a woman from the Philippines, but later on in life, because on that she will have filed some charges against him and when I was executed. And then he have kidnapped all six seven, two of them. Murdered two of them were murdered. One was this or dismembered. The other one was electrocuted and the other four left them you no know, torture and feed the them with dog food plus some other nonsense and some one of the victims those fights maybe that's holy crap that's lots of it. and now one of the victims got away with it and called police 
if it wasn't from one didn't try to help victims helping out a victim victims help out other victims to try to take them trick trying to take this person down good good on those victims i support you well that is pretty much it for that gary m heineck that was a great that was a really great one that was i mean that was a but not a fun episode because that's tough in a very short amount of time that i've gone through okay that's it guys i will see you next episode with another case of another criminal my stance all right guys goodbye everyone and take care <laughs>